When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Hey, everybody. Welcome to the Orange and Brown Talk podcast. Dan Lobby, Mary Kay Cabot, Ashley Bastock here on a Friday. And championship weekend is upon us. Of course, we've got the Ravens and the Chiefs first. And then it is the Lions and the 49ers second. So it should be a fun weekend. I'm curious. Actually, I want to. This is. I always hear this on podcasts I listen to. So I'm going to steal it. What's your favorite playoff weekend in the NFL? Some people really love championship weekend. Some people love divisional. I don't know if anybody like loves super wild card weekend, um, but I don't know. Maybe they do. So which of the three weekends is your like your favorite football weekend? I think maybe for me divisional just because there's like a couple more games. Like I like that aspect of it instead of like, yeah. I know championship weekends exciting, but then you, you obviously have the teams going to the Super Bowl after that, but then there's the short layoff for the week for the Pro Bowl before the Super Bowl. I don't know. It's like something about you really feel like you're in the thick of it when it's the divisional rounds, and I feel like crazier things are more likely to happen in the divisional round. Yeah, I like the divisional round, but I act, and I really like it, but I actually might like the wild card round better there's just something after i say nobody likes wild card weekend mary kate <laughs> jumps in and says she loves it all right me out of saying wild card dean because i, I was try- like yeah there's a ton of games it's, it's, it's all <laughs> i know I there's a bunch of on the same wavelength right right ashley i mean there's a bunch of games and um you know it's just the gift that that kind of keeps giving and everything's at stake and it's winter go home and and it's you know the opportunity for the last seed to beat the first seed. I mean, there's just so there's a lot of intrigue to it. I really like wild card weekend. I love it. I think it's too much. I don't, I it's overwhelming. It's like two games, Saturday, two games, Sunday, a game Monday. Oh, I love it. Can I no, just th- say, it's three games bring it Sunday, on. isn't it? Right. It's three on yeah. Sunday. Bring yeah. it on. Bring it on. I love yeah. it. Yeah. Can I just say, I need to interject here because Mary Kay and I have this joke about Dan being like Ken from the Barbie movie. And we keep saying, like, Dan is Danuff, like Ken is Kenuff. And I'm like, this is such a Danuff moment. Like, this is this is Danuff. I don't need all these games. It's too much. Championship weekend or divisional round, it's Danuff for you, Dan. Well, okay, yeah. So along those lines, I do actually think my answer is championship weekend. <laughs> I, I, I just... So I like the divisional round, but the only thing I don't like about it is you kind of get you 
sometimes you get some bad games. Now this this weekend was pretty good, but sometimes you get the game where it's like, oh, here comes the number one seed now, and they're just going to come in and roll whoever they play, um, like Baltimore did to Houston. So I like divisional weekend, but I there's just something about like one win and you're in the Super Bowl. There's just something about that that I just the other rounds don't have for me. It's like okay, here you are, you're on the doorstep. You win this game, you're in the Super Bowl. Like there's there's just a really big there's just something really big about that that i don't think the other rounds can match so i think my answer is championship weekend and also it's just much less overwhelming than (laughs) all those games in three days well it's cool that we each had a different answer um and i'm i'm going to tell a funny story about or at least i think it's a funny story maybe it's a bad story i don't know um about uh the divisional round okay so i'm watching Uh, with only one eye, watching Baker Mayfield play against the Lions. And I'm actually happy that Baker Mayfield, uh, you know, came up off the mat this year. And he's a fighter. He showed his fighting spirit. And I was happy for him that, that he had a good season. I really genuinely, truly mean that. I was very, very happy for him. But for whatever reason, for, for several reasons, I just, for, for the sake of Cleveland Browns fans and the city of Cleveland and everything else, I just didn't want to see him go to the Super Bowl this year. It would have been like the Ravens going to the Super Bowl after the Browns became the, you know what I mean? It was just like Cleveland's sports heart can't take this, right? So I, I just, I, I was having a hard time watching the game. I watched it to a certain point. And then I was just like, I can't, I can't watch this right now. I can't watch Baker, you know, win, win and just be able to say to Cleveland, look, look what I did to you, Cleveland. Look, look what you did to me and look what I did back to you. I just like, I couldn't do it. And so I was having a hard time watching uh, the game. And so for a while, I just went upstairs, locked myself in a room and just started like putzing around in the room. And, um, and I did end up, I, I yelled down to my husband. I was like, all right, what's going on in the game? Is it safe for me to come downstairs? And, <laughs> and he was like, you know what? He said, you are a professional NFL writer. What are you doing hiding from this game? He was like, you are a baby. He called me a baby. And he's right. I was being a baby. But anyways, so he said, yes, you can come down. Detroit just scored on two successive possessions and it's 31 to 17. You're totally fine. So lo and behold, I come bounding downstairs and Baker throws a touchdown pass, converts a fourth and 14 and throws a touchdown pass or somehow they scored, but he converted on fourth and 14. And I'm like, Oh my God, he's going to come back and they're going to win the game. But it was just kind of funny because I got called a baby for having a hard time watching that game. Well, I actually didn't watch the, the very end of it either because I thought, Oh, it's over. And I, I forget where I went, but like I left the house for, I'm like, okay, this one's done. I'm, we're good just gonna go i had to go do something and uh i then i, I look at twitter like wherever I, I look at twitter and i'm like oh i guess this is a game now and i wasn't sure i wasn't exactly sure like twitter wasn't painting the full picture of what had happened but um i was a little surprised to see that the bucks at at one point had the ball with a chance to go tie the football game so that yes was, yeah there we go okay um you know if we really want to we can talk about going for two down 14 but we don't need to do that. Uh, right, let's, <laughs> let's get into these championship games, but let's do it in a Brown centric way. I was 
let's kind of pick like if let's go team by team and let's pick one thing you would like from that team on the Browns. It doesn't have to be like a specific player. So it doesn't have to be, Hey, I want this player on the Browns, but if there's a concept or if there's uh, something more general, or if there is a specific type of player, something like that from each team that, that you can take. Um, so let's just start with the first game and let's start with their division rival, the Baltimore Ravens. Mary Kay, if you could take something from the Ravens to put on the Cleveland Browns for next season to, to get them to this weekend, my the best weekend of football, in my opinion, what would mm-hmm. it be? You know what? I, I'm going to say Roquan Smith. I'm going to say Roquan Smith because I think the Browns really need that, uh, that amazing enforcer. And I think that Roquan sort of, uh, you know, replaced the, you know, the Ray Lewis vibe that they used to have all of those years where you just have this guy that is willing to come out and say, when you're going into Cleveland, that you're going to say, we're coming in there to beat your tails in front of your wives and your kids. And he puts it out there and then he backs it up. And that's a tough guy. That is a tough, tough guy. And this is a nasty sport and it's a mean sport. It's a physical sport. And I think that the Browns could use somebody like that. That's a little bit of a mean SOB and maybe not, not, I'm not talking about dirty. I'm not talking about anything like that. I'm, I'm just talking about somebody that's willing to say, we are going to kick your tails and then they go out and they do it. And I think he sets the tone for that Ravens defense. And I think that defense is to be feared and I think he's a major reason why. So that's, I like that one because I was thinking if it, if it hadn't come off the, the board yet before we got to San Francisco, I was going to say like a Fred Warner type of linebacker. I might still say mm-hmm. that, but yeah, I like, I like this. And Ashley with this Jim Schwartz defense, it's not real linebacker centric. And I, I think JOK got a lot better this year, but there is still sort of like, there's room for a little bit of like attitude there and a little bit of like, I, I don't, yeah, just yeah. Some, like Mary Kay said, we're coming into your stadium to beat your tails in front of your wife. No, I'm, I'm really glad we went this route because this is exactly what I was thinking when Roquan's name came up. And like, it's funny, right? Because he said that before the first game and like the Browns players remembered that, right? Like he gave them legit bulletin board material for when they went down to Baltimore and beat them. But I think for the most part, like that kind of stuff has a time and a place and he knows how to use it. And it did work that first game. And obviously that sort of attitude has helped them immensely to get the number one seed and down the stretch now of the playoff run that they're on. And I agree. It's like the Browns for as good as this defense was, I look at the Ravens and I'm like, there's another level they could get to here. And I know like what the overall defensive numbers say and the Browns, you know, have the top overall defense. But when you watch that Baltimore defense, it feels different. And I don't know if we're each picking something, but I had something else I wanted to say about Baltimore too. Yeah, go if ahead. We, we, are we, we going to each pick something? Yeah, no, I mean, we yeah. might run out of things as we go, but that's like, we yeah, might, go ahead. yeah. No, I was going to say having three defensive linemen pushing the double digit sacks, I think is key. And that's what Baltimore has right now. And it's not even just about the defensive line. It's that every guy on that defense like can contribute and make impact plays. Like I even think about like uh, you know Hamilton in that defense and what he can do. 
And I do think that's just what feels different is the Ravens kind of do have that attitude. The Browns players, like they were good, but they're so nice and they loved each other. And that's great, right? But we know Miles Garrett is not that super vocal guy who is going to kind of put that messaging out there. And that's fine. Like you don't have to be like that or be that type of leader that like almost like antagonizing type of leader. But I do think they need that guy still. And I remember saying that last year too, us having the same discussion. I feel like they, they still haven't found that guy. Everyone's so nice. Like Dalvin Tomlinson, huge, the nicest guy around though. Right. Shelby Harris, super nice veteran. Nice. There's not that enforcer type of personality. Yeah. So I was, I was thinking about the defensive line here. Um, so, you know, you had you had Matabike with 13 sacks, but then Clowney had nine and a half. Van Noy had nine. Uh, Owe had five. Um, you know, then you get into some of the safeties and, and, and linebackers. But I, I liked that complete, just that complete defensive line of like, here's, you know, three, four guys. They're going to come at you from any direction. Uh, Mike McDonald is going to dial it up. And it's it's might not always be like a star pass rusher that you have to worry about, but Clowney's going to pressure you here, and then you know always going to pressure you this this time, and you don't necessarily know where it's where it's coming from. So that was that that was kind of something I was thinking about with this group. And Kyle, Ashley, you said a name there, Kyle Hamilton. I think that might be my choice. Is I. So obviously they extend Grant Delpit, and I thought Grant Delpit was really good this year. But I would love a player who's not on the defensive line, so somebody in the back end who's just a, who can wreck a game from the safety position, the corner, wherever it is. Just somebody who who can wreck a game like like Kyle Hamilton has that ability. You know, three sacks, forced fumble, four interceptions, uh, and you know, first team All Pro this year. I'd love to see either Grant develop into that type of safety or see someone, I don't know where, where you find that guy. You don't just find Kyle Hamilton's everywhere. And that's, as we talk through this, some of these are pipe dreams, but a player like Kyle Hamilton would be really awesome in this defense. And and they have, and we have talked about this too. They've got a really good defensive coordinator that it, that is pulling it all together and has done a phenomenal job uh, in Mike McDonald. He's been really, really great, but I do think so too. I like that middle of the field guy that just takes no prisoners. And they've always kind of had someone like that, right? I mean, like the Ed Reed type of guy, Um, you know, they've always had that. And the thing about um, Baltimore and Pittsburgh, man, they have always been able to draft defensive players, like really, really good defensive players, and they just keep them coming, and they keep them coming, and they keep them coming. And just when you think, how can you have another good defense like, you know, the the amazing defenses that they had that where they won the Super Bowl with Trent Dilfer back in the day? And here they are again with one of the absolute best, most formidable defenses in the NFL and uh, you know, and they bring it, they strike fear, they bring it. And I think it would have been hard for the Browns to go into Baltimore and win in the playoffs. There's like four things I could choose from Baltimore. So we have to move on. Cause there was another guy that I would bring up, but I think I can kind of get there with some of these other teams. So Kansas city is interesting 
because I mean, I guess there's one big obvious one, but beyond that, I don't know if there's anything as obvious from Kansas City because they've been a little smoke and mirrors, hold it together with duct tape here. But when you look at Kansas City, what would you want to take from them, Mary Kay? Well, I think the thing that stands out in my mind, and I'm not going to go Patrick because I'll let one of you guys have have Patrick. Um, But the thing that stands out in my mind is, you know, Travis Kelsey is just so can't miss. He's so dangerous. And, you know, whatever he loses over the years in terms of his youth or his speed or whatever, he makes up for it in other ways. And he just keeps bringing it and he keeps bringing the heat. And that's what David Njoku needs to turn into. Now, I know we're talking about a future Hall of Famer, but from a physical standpoint, David, there's no reason why David Njoku can't be more like Travis Kelsey in terms of just being a can't miss tight end. So I think that is what I would take. I would take some more of that Travis Kelsey vibe and pour it into David Njoku and have him become that guy for Deshaun Watson, because that's what Deshaun Watson's going to need. He's going to need that guy that can go over the middle that can go. And he started to show signs of being really, really good. And he became a pro bowler this year. Um, but you just need him to just take it up. And up. there is more there for David Njoku. There's another level. There is another level and, and he can get there. And when you look at the two, um, pro bowlers from the AFC tight ends. It's Travis Kelsey and David Njoku. And I I went up to David Njoku at the end of the season. I said, look at that. Look at whose name you are right next to there. Look at whose name you're, you're right there with for the, for the AFC pro bowl. I mean, like how cool is that? And, you know, he like kind of smirked, you know, at, at the thought of it, but, but it's true. I mean, he's in the pro bowl as the next best tight end, uh, in the AFC to Travis Kelsey. So that is the thing that I would, um, that I would mention that, you know, David needs to just take it up even one more notch and let's see what you got in 2024. Yeah. So this is, this is like the first year when Travis Kelsey kind of looked old, but he still was like awesome. <laughs> like he still had his moments where he looked like Travis Kelsey. And then you look at that playoff game and he gets wide open on one touchdown and then, and then he scores another one too um, in, in Buffalo. So like, I mean, five for 75 and two touchdowns against Buffalo. Um, that's, that's pretty good in, in a big moment there. So I, this is one, th- this is where I was thinking about going here. And it's always been sort of the thing I've wanted to see from David is, you know, I don't need you to turn yourself into a first ballot hall of famer. That would be awesome if you did. But the thing about Travis and Patrick is whenever Patrick needs a play, he just knows where 87 is and he mm-hmm. finds him. Like that's been the most frustrating thing about Kansas city is no matter what, when Patrick needs something, 87's right there. And that's changed a little bit this year, but it's still a part of that offense's DNA. And I, that's, that's the next step for David for whether it's Deshaun or somebody else when it's third down and five and the defensive coordinator is telling, telling you don't let 85 get open. Somehow 85 gets open and you convert the first down and keep it moving. And that's so, yeah, I, I think I'm just going to agree with Mary Kay here, Ashley. I think I'm just going to say Kelsey. And again, going back to the Baltimore point, Mark Andrews, Isaiah likely, like all of these teams have high level tight ends. So it, it just that I think Kelsey's the choice here. 
Yeah, I mean, Travis Kelsey is so good that it's basically allowed Kansas City to, you know, one of their weaknesses at times is the fact that they've tried to piecemeal the rest of their passing weapons together a little bit. And sometimes that doesn't work out in their favor. But Travis Kelsey is so good that, you know, we saw a couple of years ago, they were, you know, able to move on from Tyreek Hill when he was going to command the dollar amount that he was going to. So it's like that, that part of it too is really interesting. And just the size comparison, like we've been talking about, I do think it just helps that guy that is going to be super reliable in those situations. And it's just like funny because like, oh, Travis Kelsey, like the, the idea of a down year or whatever for him. And it's like, he still had like, 890 yards in the regular season or something like everyone's like oh he didn't have that thousand yard season again and he was on you know track to break some kind of franchise record and I know he talked about he's like I don't really care about a thousand yards like when I had the chance to rest and get right for the playoffs like he was going to do that but even like a down year for Travis Kelsey is still a really good year even though I did spend most of the year thinking like yeah his age is is starting to show a little bit he's still really good but I think the obvious thing here that I would take is Patrick Mahomes. And I think, you know, we can kind of flip that to be Deshaun centric. It's like when the Browns made this deal, they hoped did so with the hope that they are getting that caliber of a quarterback. And we've spent, you know, a lot of time here in Canada, you asked Andrew Barry about it, this idea that you have to hang with the Patrick Mahomes of the NFL. And they did this trade with the idea that this is the guy. So now there's all these questions with Deshaun Watson's shoulder, but they're going to need that caliber of guy to take this next step. They're going to need Deshaun to be that. Yeah, I mean, Patrick, I mean, we we should have the Patrick Mahomes discussion here because obviously in the AFC, this is where you have the two star quarterbacks going against each other. You have Omar and you have Patrick. You know, in the NFC, it's, it's Brock Purdy and Jared Goff. So this is where we want to have that quarterback discussion. And right, like that's why... Listen, Patrick is going to not win the Super Bowl some year. He might not win Sunday, right? So it's you just... You don't win the Super Bowl every year. Tom Brady went a long time between Super Bowls after they won their first three. So there's going to be opportunities. Who knows when? But that's why you want to have that high-level quarterback play because, Mary Kay, that, that's your ceiling. Your ceiling is your quarterback. And so even in the years when Kansas City, like this year, when Kansas City maybe underestimated their receivers, maybe their protection hasn't been what they needed it to be. Obviously, I think their defense has been really good. Your ceiling is still, hey, we can get to an AFC title game and beyond because we've got number 15 and it, it all starts there. It really does. I mean, you know, we are watching uh, history being made with Patrick Mahomes potentially, right? I mean, who knows? He could go on to possibly become the GOAT and surpass Tom Brady before all is said and done. He's certainly still young enough, and he's got plenty of opportunity to do that over the years. And it is really, really incredible. It's incredible to watch. And I was just thinking this the other day, and I'm so disappointed about this, that um, that we had a little uh, a video platform that we used to use called Videolicious. And I actually kind of became the queen of Videolicious, um, putting, you know, I could put little photos over it. And um, I had fun making my little videos on Videolicious. And um, I will always remember at the Super Bowl um, in 2018, when I'm sorry, 2017, uh, when um, Patrick was not a super, super, you know, big name, surefire number one overall pick yet. People didn't really get him. They didn't know 
what he was going to be. I mean, there was a lot of thought that, you know, is he, you know, a spread, you know, just product of, of his system. Um, you know, nobody really, really knew exactly what to make of him. And so I knew his agent, um, at the time, Chris, and he's still his agent, Chris Cabot. Uh, I saw him on radio row and he was like, Hey, um, would you like to interview Patrick? You know, I, I can get you a little, you know, if you want to do a, an interview with Patrick here one-on-one. And I was like, sure, let's do it. I mean, the Browns had the number one overall pick that year, of course. And uh, I was all about a one-on-one interview with Patrick Mahomes. And um, so I remember he was with Brittany, his now wife, and that was his girlfriend at the time. And I think his mom was there and, you know, they stood off to the side and I, you know, I grabbed Patrick and I got out my little phone and I uh, videotaped this brief interview with, with Patrick. And um, then I produced my little video licious on it and, um, and I put it out there and that was so cool. It was very, very cool, you know, to, to have that little moment and to see, you know, what he went on to become. And um, unfortunately, video, we don't have video licious anymore and it doesn't exist anymore. Like you can't find that video. It's not like it's out on YouTube and you can still find it. It's gone. It's just, it's gone. Well, we did, we did a, we did a bunch of videos way back in the day that were on this random video server with our company and it, they went away when we switched over to YouTube and it's, it's so depressing. Technology is, technology is the worst. It is because that, that was such a good memory to have and such a cool moment that I got to do that, you know, it, you know, before anybody thought he was going to be good. And, and it was almost like, yeah, I'll do you that little favor. Sure. I'll talk to Pat. (laughs) You know what I mean? It was, it was kind of fun, but um, yeah, I mean, I really, it's not on my phone. And so I just don't think it exists anywhere anymore. It exists in our hearts. It exists in my heart. Yes. And I'm sad (laughs) about that, but Patrick is, um, Patrick is so one of a kind. I mean, he changed, you know, he has changed the game. I mean, he really changed the game. He really ushered in. Um, I, I mean, really cemented it. I think the era of the amazing dual threat quarterback, the spread, the, you know, I mean, he, like he really, not that there weren't plenty before him, but you know, he legitimized it. And made it so everybody wanted to have a Patrick Mahomes. And, of course, we all remember that, um, you know, that that was also the draft that the Browns traded down away from Deshaun Watson from number 12. They traded away from him. They took Miles Garrett at number one. Could have had both guys that they have now. Could have had them then. Traded away. Of course, they wouldn't have some of the other guys that they have now. But, um but they traded down away from Deshaun that draft. So, yes, that is where the bar is set for Deshaun. He has to be that. In order to beat Patrick, he's going to have to be that good. And that is the assignment. The assignment is to get past Patrick Mahomes, right? That's what he's going to have to do. Or maybe Lamar Jackson. But for sure, Patrick over the years. And you know what? Good luck. It's like... Like uh, Andrew Barry observed the other day, it's tough and it's not going to get any easier. Ashley, you wanted to, to say something? 
I was going to say the real Patrick Mahomes video is the friends we made along the way. Do you like that meme? <laughs> By the also, way, can I say really quickly? I was going to say honorable mention. I have to sneak it in here. I would like Taylor Swift at a lot of Browns games, mm, just good. for personal go. reasons. That's oh, my honorable mention. Yes. How, just, how did I forget that? Just real quick to to just recap. 2017. These these are the players that went ahead of Patrick Mahomes. Miles Garrett. Okay, he's pretty good. Mitchell Trubisky, Solomon Thomas, Leonard Fournette, Corey Davis, Jamal Adams, Mike Williams, Christian McCaffrey, John Ross, and then at number 10, Patrick Mahomes. And the irony here, of course, is the Chiefs got that pick from the Buffalo Bills, mm-hmm. who now cannot get past Patrick Mahomes. Even though they Turned, turned that pick into Josh Allen the next year, which is a pretty good prize. Mm-hmm. Uh, but now they can't get past him. So, <laughs> yep. Yeah. All right. The draft. We got to start talking about that at some point. But we're not going to do that yet. We're going to take a break. And then when we come back, we will look at the NFC side. And welcome back to the Orange and Brown Talk podcast. Dan Lobby, Mary Kay Cabot, Ashley Bastock, the Detroit Lions traveling to San Francisco to take on the 49ers. Mary Kay, what would you like the Browns to have from Detroit? Wow. Well, why don't we let Ashley go first this time? Nice. So that I don't, you know, get to get all the best stuff or actually get the first choice. So, Ashley, you can go first this time. Yeah, I'm thinking about a handful of different things for the Lions or that I really like about the Lions. And for me, this is just the first thing that came to mind. I like would love that Dan Campbell kind of attitude, right? Like I just love Dan Campbell. We know this. I talk about it all the time. Okay, you love Dan Campbell. Dan, of course, loves Dan Campbell. He's like Dan Campbell's number one fan. But there's just something that Dan Campbell has done there. And I think like you got a really good look at it in hard knocks a couple of years ago. Like I really believe those guys buy into what he's selling. He just has this motivating factor about him. And like, I do think we saw that to some extent with Kevin Stefanski this year. Um, But he does it in a very different way, right? He's not nearly as personality forward as Dan Campbell is. They're motivators in different ways. I do think it was a good step that we saw these guys parroting Kevin a lot, but like, I think this turnaround in Detroit, like Dan Campbell's not afraid to take risks. He's not afraid to go to bat for his players. He'll drop down and do push-ups with his players. Like he just has that X factor edge about him. And I love him. Like, I think that's, that's a huge part of Detroit's success. And I'd like to see Kevin Stefanski, you know, take that aspect um, as a head coach one step further. He's like exactly what they needed in, in Detroit. Like that was, they just needed that kind of personality. And, and I think Kevin is fine. You know, I don't, I think Kevin can be who he is, but I do sometimes, you know, wish that we could have a little, a little bit of a wild card in Dan Campbell somehow, whether it's one of the coordinators or something like that, and just a little bit more personality somewhere with somebody that we get to talk to on a regular basis. I actually think Mary Kay is, maybe been Dan Campbell's number one fan here for a while. Um, Mm -hmm. Yeah. So, but, but he's got a little bit of that speak, a a guy that I like, he's, he's got a little bit of that Mike Vrabel. You know, there's always the joke, like who, who would win a, 
if you did a tournament of coaches fighting each other, who would win? And the finals are almost always Vrabel versus Campbell. Um, he's he's got a little bit of that that Mike Vrabel edge to him, getting into drills and and things like that. So, um, yeah, Dan Campbell's a good choice here. Yeah, and Dan, yeah, I think you've been a little bit more the Vrabes guy. I've been the Dan Campbell guy, and it goes back to um, when the Browns had an opportunity to hire Dan Campbell. Sometimes I get fixated on a particular candidate and I just start diving in and digging in and doing my due diligence. And I did that with Dan Campbell back then. And he checked off every box I could possibly think of for a head coach. I mean, he had player experience. He had, I mean, everything that I read about him, it was so cool. I, and I wrote a column about it. I did write a column about it. That still is out there, even though my Patrick Mahomes video is gone. The Dan Campbell would make an excellent head coach for the Cleveland Browns column still exists. And um, unfortunately, John Dorsey, who now is with Dan Campbell, didn't agree with me at the time. He didn't agree with me on anything at the time. He didn't agree with me that they should draft Josh Allen, had a Baker Mayfield. He didn't agree that they should hire Dan Campbell ahead of Freddie Kitchens. So lo and behold, they hired Freddie Kitchens, completely ignoring my column. And um, so anyways, I've really liked Dan Campbell since way, way back then. And now I'm just so glad that he has been as successful as he's been because the Detroit Lions deserve it. Their fans deserve it. And he's just been so good for that team. And I don't know. There was just something about him. There was something about him. And um, it's just really cool to watch him succeed. So that's a, a great choice, Ashley. I, I would throw out maybe Detroit's uh, draft class. And I think it's an interesting class because they kind of got dunked on a little bit when they made these picks because they took a running back at number 12 and a linebacker at number 18. But that netted them Jameer Gibbs and Jack Campbell. And then in the second round, they take Sam Laporta at 34, who is maybe the best young tight end in the game. And Brian Branch, the safety at number 45. Um, so that that draft class is a, absolutely enormous for them. And like, look, the Browns didn't have first round picks. So I understand like you're not going to get the impact that maybe Detroit did, obviously from theirs. But just... Um, that high impact draft class, you know, where you bring in some young talent, they contribute right away. And the Browns have gotten a little bit of that, like JOK, Greg Newsome, guys like that. Dewan Jones this year, they've certainly found value in the draft, but um, I would take this, this Detroit draft class this year. It's a, it's a winner. And our buddy, John Dorsey seems like he helped, uh, seems like he helped Brad Holmes, who I think he won the PFWA executive of the year. I think uh, he helped Brad Holmes, put together a pretty good class there. And that is a, that is an, you know, you want to talk about GMs on the rise. Brad Holmes is certainly, certainly on that list um, running the lions. Yeah, that that's a really good one. And that's a major reason why they're where they're at that draft class. I mean, Sam Laporta, 10 touchdown catches this year. He's really, really good. Uh, He might end up, you know, finding himself in that, Travis Kelsey type conversation over the years. Uh, so that was an amazing pick. Um, so yeah, I really like this. And then, and the, I think the thing 
that I would take or that I really like about this team. They have a quiet confidence about themselves. They just have this belief that, you know, nobody really gives us too much of a chance. Um, They're not super, you know, crazy vocal about that. They're just like, they're cool. You know, I mean, the lion, they're just kind of like a cool team. And I like their personality. I like the personality of the team. They don't, you know, we, you don't ever really hear, I mean, Jared Goff, just like he's a cool customer, right? Um, you know, I like the things that he says. I like, you know, what, you know, whenever he's interviewed, it's always, you know, well, you know, we believe in ourselves and we, you know, we, you know, we think we've got some really good players, but he's, he's not flashy. He's not showy, but they just have a confidence about themselves uh, that they're a really good football team and that they can get the job done. And there's something about them that I feel like, I don't know. I, I know that they have a, a tall order ahead of them. I, I know that, but I, I kind of think they can do it. And I really think they can do it if Debo Samuel doesn't play because I just think that, you know, that Debo Samuel is absolutely amazing and really helps make Brock Purdy what he is and is a major reason why, uh, why the 49ers did not win when they came to Cleveland. Okay. So now we move on to this second game. Um, Oh, continue in the second game, the lions and 49ers. (laughs) Um, Okay. I'm going to go first here because this is sort of a bigger thing, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go reach back into that Baltimore-Kansas City game a little bit, too. So one of the names I almost said on Baltimore-Kansas City was uh, Zay Flowers. Kind of a quick twitch, you know, playmaking type of, of receiver. Um, so the reason I'm going back to that and then coming to the 49ers is, you know, we're talking about different types of players, but right, whether it's Zay Flowers or we go up to another level where we find Debo Samuel, who we don't know if, it's gonna, if he's going to play this week yet, but Debo and the ways they use him and the impact he can have. And then Christian McCaffrey, right? An all-around, you know, 2,000 scrimmage yards, um, absolutely elite back. But I'm not just thinking about the running back thing because the Browns have a good running back if Nick Chubb comes back, big if. But I just want some sort of versatile playmaker, out there, somebody who can do a, a few different things. Somebody you you put the ball in his hands, you know, on a short throw, he can he can turn it into a big play. Um, whether it's a running back, a receiver, whether it's kind of a small shifty guy like Flowers, or you know, a little bigger guy like Debo, or a versatile running back like Christian McCaffrey. Um, and again, I'm not saying you need to find Christian McCaffrey, but somebody that plays like Christian McCaffrey um, that would be. I think that's something this offense needs. It's just sort of a little bit more playmaking in the sense of we're going to get the ball in your hands, go create something for us. Yeah, that's absolutely, um, that would be something that they really need. I mean, look, we don't know what's going to happen in 2024 yet with Nick Chubb. Everybody hopes that he's coming back um, and that he will come back strong. Uh, you know, Jerome Ford brings that speed and now they're going to have a new running backs coach and Deuce Staley that is going to be able to uh, take more advantage of him. But um, just having that playmaking can't miss guy like that. And that's another reason I think that um, and people get mad at me when I say this, but I mean, the San Francisco 49ers were not at full strength when the Browns beat them in Cleveland. They just were not at full strength. Um, 
you take Debo out of that lineup and then you take Christian McCaffrey out for the second half. And it's just a, it's a different ball game. And especially when you're losing your guys in game. I mean, remember what happened in Pittsburgh when Deshaun lost Nick Chubb in game, they like got so flustered, you know, it's like, Oh crap, what do we do now? Um, but yes, a, a, just an amazing can't miss uh, take it to the bank playmaker like that is something the Browns could really use. Ashley, where are you looking at the Niners here? Yeah, I was actually thinking the exact same thing. But for the sake of discussion, and this might be kind of similar to the Roquan Smith discussion, but you just look at a guy like Fred Warner, who, like, to me, I look at the way he plays and he can do it all. Like, he has 100 tackles for them this year. He's, like, second on their team in interceptions, I think, right now. Um, he can get after the quarterback, he can wreck a game. And I think I remember seeing that like early, early, early in the season, I watched their early game against the Steelers before the Browns played the Steelers in week two. And he went nuts in that game. So I do think this is kind of similar to the Roquan Smith discussion. And, you know, they don't necessarily have that kind of linebacker, but I do think like JOK has a little bit of that in him. And I shouldn't say they don't have that kind of linebacker, but it maybe just doesn't work the same in a Jim Schwartz defense, which is fine. Um, But I do think like JOK, like next level JOK is like that guy. I don't know if he'll ever be that guy, but getting closer to that guy is a big step, I think. Yeah. And I, I, that's some of this, what we've talked about isn't necessarily, Hey, go find, you know, go, go find somebody. Some of it is like, can a player develop into this, right? Like can JOK develop into a high level linebacker? Can Grant Delpit continue developing into a high level safety? Um, can Deshaun Watson be a good enough quarterback? And you've returned to that level where you can go compete with uh, Josh Allen, Patrick Mahomes, Lamar. So um, yeah, I, I think there's room for, can you go find a guy like this or does this guy exist on your roster? You just need to unlock it one way or another. Uh, and I guess that's what the Browns are trying to do here with this uh, uh, offensive coordinator position as well. Okay, before we go, I know we all love making picks. So let's do it. Let's make picks. Uh, Chiefs are four-point underdogs. Lions are seven-and-a-half-point underdogs. You don't often get a chance to get Patrick Mahomes as an underdog. Um, what do we think is going to happen this weekend? Who's playing in the Super Bowl? Is it going to be Chalk? Or is there going to be an upset here in one of these two games? Like I said before, I just feel like there's something about the Lions. or something. They seem like team destiny to me. Like their community needs it more. Their city needs it more. Their, you know, little blue collar town like Cleveland needs it more. Right. I mean, and they just, again, have that sort of quiet confidence about them. And if Debo is not playing then or is hurt and isn't himself then i think that opens the door for the lions to win and it's not going to be easy to win on the road by any stretch of the imagination that makes everything so much harder but i think i am going to pick an upset there maybe you know maybe they can do it i i don't know it's not going to be easy but i think i will pick an upset there yeah i'm i'm having trouble picking myself in or talking myself into picking an upset in either of these games but there is something about Detroit. There's just something like San Francisco was so like Brock Purdy was so kind of iffy in that game. Now it was a weather game. So I, you know, there's that. So I do, I just wonder like, can Detroit figure out a way to score enough? But then I was listening to a podcast today that was listing 
San Francisco, here's all their strengths on defense, and it like is a great matchup for them defensively against the I don't know. I'm, I think I'm overthinking it there. I like the Ravens. Honestly, I would never actually bet against Patrick Mahomes, but I when I think about the Ravens, I feel like everybody's just been a little too hesitant to be like, this team is really good. Like, even when the Browns were kind of pushing to maybe get the AFC North title and maybe steal the number one seed, you know, the the things we were talking about were, well, look at who Baltimore has to play, right? They got to play San Francisco. They got to play Miami. They got to play Pittsburgh. And what did Baltimore do? They just went and won those games. And I think for me, it's just reached the point where it's like, I think Baltimore is good. I think they might just be that team this year. So I hate picking against Patrick Mahomes. I, it scares me to death, but I just think Baltimore might be that team. I think this just might be their year. And so I think I'm going to take the Ravens to win that game. And I don't know. I'm, I guess I'm going chalk. I don't know. I think I'm going Ravens 49ers, but I don't, I don't feel great about just going chalk across the board. Yeah. I like, I do not have a good feel for this, but I just, Dan, I'm on the same wavelength as you, but I cannot get over this picking against Patrick Mahomes. thing. Like I can't bring myself to do it. I'm going to have to see it to believe it. And, you know, I do, I hear what you're saying about the Ravens, but I also just feel like it's been like since the postseason started, everyone's just assuming they're going to get to the Super Bowl. And everyone's just assuming the Chiefs are having a down year. So this is the year to catch them. And it is. I think this is the year to try to knock them off. If it's going to happen, it's going to happen on Sunday. But I can't bring myself to do it. Like, I really think the Chiefs are going to win. Somehow, someway, Patrick Mahomes, that Patrick Mahomes-Kelsey connection is just going to, it's going to work out. They're just going to do it because they've done it a million times, it seems like. And I'm I'm going the opposite of chalk. What's the opposite of chalk? Because I also, I've fallen in love with chalk. Non-chalk. Dry erase board. I'm going dry erase board. (laughs) Smart board. (laughs) Smartboard. I'm going smartboard because I love the story of the Detroit Lions. I just can't bring myself to pick against them. So I really hope they make it just because they're such a fun story. We all love Dan Campbell. Let's do it, Detroit. Yeah, I mean, Mary Kay, the, the Mahomes thing, it's like like even if even if Tyler Bass would have made that field goal, right? Like, I think we all kind of felt like, okay, whatever. Patrick's just going to lead them down and they're going to kick oh, a yeah. field goal. So, it, I, I mean, that's that's the struggle I'm having is I think Baltimore's the better football team. Like I said, I think they're that team this year. But then that other side, there's 15. And I, just, I don't know what to do with that. Yeah, I mean, he's Superman. He is Superman. He is amazing. Um, but I don't know. I still think that I am going to go with the Ravens here. I don't feel good about it. I don't feel strongly about it at all, especially because I will always have a special place in my heart for Patrick Mahomes from our little one-on-one interview. And I liked him coming out that year. And I thought that the Browns should have drafted him Uh, even just because I interviewed him and he was nice. (laughs) That had a lot to do with it, but um But anyway, no, it had more to do with it than that. But I mean, I didn't know really either. You know, everybody kind of felt the same way about Patrick. Most teams did. Um, But um, so it's hard for me to pick against Patrick. It's hard for me to pick against Patrick. And of course, Travis Kelsey's from Cleveland Heights, right? Like, who doesn't want to see Travis Kelsey go back to the Super Bowl? Um, And of course, I get to go to the Super Bowl. I get to go out for Super Bowl week and it would be fun, you know, to run into 
Taylor and Travis and all that there's, kind of stuff. There's no way that you don't end up at like a blackjack table with Taylor Swift. Oh yeah, it's gonna happen. <laughs> it's gonna happen. So there are all these theories though, because her tour is due to start back up in Tokyo, and there is supposedly like a small enough window that she could make it in for the actual game. Oh, so, she she would go. Mary I'm sure she got a. You got to be on the lookout that week. I, I don't will. Know what the exact schedule is going to be like? I will. I'll just remind Trav that we're both, you know, from the land. So, um, but anyways, so I do think that it's incredibly difficult to beat Patrick. I think he's. I do. I think he's Superman. But I don't know. There's something about the Ravens this year, and they are at home. Being at home, I think. Uh, is is really going to work to their advantage. I think the crowd is going to be really loud. And I think, like I said, when you've got that, you know, that Roquan Smith and you've got, you're going to have Ray Lewis there and you're going to have, you know what I mean? Like it's going to be, um, the intensity is going to be really, really high. And I, I think they have a chance to do it. I think, I think they can do it. I mean, if they can somehow tame Travis, if they can do that, then I think they can win the game. So I'm going to go, I'm going to go Baltimore, Baltimore versus Detroit. Baltimore, Detroit is such a, I don't know. That's such a, that's like a perfect matchup. And like those two cities and like the most glamorous city in in the world. That's, that's a contrast. Uh, But that would be a, that would be a fun Super Bowl. I should correct myself. The Ravens did lose to the Steelers, but that was after everything was clinched up and, and Tyler Huntley started that game. So just to kind of clean that up from uh, from earlier. So there we go. Should be a very interesting week of football. There was something else I was going to say, but I don't remember what it was. I guess it probably wasn't all that great. Um, okay, so we will be back on Monday for sure with uh, a Hey Mary Kay podcast. We're kind of on the lookout for offensive coordinator hires here. So uh, just make sure you're subscribed to this feed wherever you listen. Look for Orange and Brown Talk on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. Uh, find us on YouTube. Search Cleveland Browns on Cleveland.com. Find us on Instagram. Search Orange and Brown Talk. And there's one other thing I did forget to tell you about. Speaking of uh, Baltimore, which is a place we love to go because there's great food there. As you know, there's great food in Cleveland and we're breaking new ground with our lively new podcast about dining and drinking in greater Cleveland, where Josh Duke and Alex and Alex Darris crackle with their fun talk about the latest foodie happenings joined by the most in the know experts in town, Mark Bona, Paris Wolf, and Pete Chikarian. It's called Dine Drink CLE and you can find it anywhere you download podcasts. Uh, for Mary Can Ashley, I'm Dan. Thanks for listening, everybody.